Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries podcast. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. Yeah, guess who's back? Uh, back again. Israel here. I uh, love hanging out with you guys uh, and uh, being here. So I was a young adult pastor here right in this place. My wife and I got married, and we had our wedding reception right here. I awkwardly danced right in that spot right there. So it's really cool to be back. I love it. We had a baby. She's three months old this week. Um, I'm so tired. And uh, she's doing good. Y'all, you ever been on an airplane and you notice that baby screaming in the back? You're like, whose baby is that? That's us. That is my life right now. That is so my life. So we went back to Vegas last week um, for ministry. That's where I'm from. So we went to Vegas and we were there for a week. We, were, um, we actually did a spiritual emphasis week hanging out for, with uh, a junior high and high school there and uh, got to just, just preach and do all kinds of stuff. But it was cool to be able to come back. And, but you know, you're traveling with the baby and we're getting used to this whole baby life. It's like so much responsibility. I'm not going to lie. Like someone should really tell you like how much responsibility having a baby is before they give you one. And so we get this baby. And I go to the airport, I've got bags, and I got the stroller, and I don't put the brakes on the stroller, and I don't look, and the stroller falls off the curb and falls on its side. The baby was not in the stroller. This is a, yeah, I wouldn't be telling this story if it was otherwise. So, uh, baby, so baby's fine, thing on the stroller. I, as quickly as I can, get up and put it up, because I just know if Christina sees this, she's going to flip. And so... Um, so I'm in there, we get into the airport, we got all these bags, and like, I'm totally hamming it up. I'm complaining, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, we're trying to minister, and now it's so hard, and I gotta get on this plane ride. And like, I totally felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Like, like Jesus is like, um, bro, my parents walked to Egypt when I was like just a few months old. Like, they walked to Egypt, and you are being extra about a direct flight to, to, from Springfield to Vegas that's taking like two hours. I was like, you know what, not so bad. I love living in 2019. But the thing is, I'm warning that as hard and as crazy as it sometimes is having a baby is that there's some really good things. Like, as much as I don't want to be the guy that's all like, oh, my baby, my baby, she's a good kid. I love her. And you know what? She has a radical relationship with me that allows me to have more grace for her so that, like, let's be real, it's all take right now. She don't, she don't give back. She don't tell me, Daddy, I love you. Um, she, she eats and she spits up on me and she poops on me and does all these different things like that. There's a lot that, that any other person would do that and I probably wouldn't be friends with you. But my baby does it, and somehow I love her. Somehow I continue to have this relationship with her. So radical relationship. So i tell you this why. Because um, you guys have been talking about radical relationships, and, and there's a radical relationship that I wanted to kind of touch base with you guys today, radical relationship with Jesus. So you guys have been doing this thing called the Sermon on the Mount, right, Matthew? So Matthew 5 through 7 is this really famous, probably uh, some, some scholars say the greatest sermon of all time. It's Jesus in Matthew's gospel. He is presented in this miraculous origin story of um, being born by the Holy Spirit. And so Matthew, by the time we get to chapter 5, presents Jesus. Jesus in this very Jewish mindset for the audience that he's writing to as this incredible teacher. So he goes up to the mountain and people come over and they go to listen to him. And in five through seven, Jesus gives this incredible sermon. Now, obviously, uh, Jesus didn't get up and just talk for four minutes and then sit back down and all the, the people left. So uh, this is kind of the spark notes. This is kind of the bullet points of Jesus's really good teaching. So what does, it, what does all this mean? So Jesus, in this teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, pretty much tells us 
what it looks like to do life really well, what it looks like to be the best version of yourself the way God created you, the way the kingdom of God works, what it looks like to be in right relationship with God. A big part of this is this thing called the Beatitudes, which is a word that none of us ever use outside of like talking about these three chapters. Um, and these Beatitudes, which is a fancy way of saying they're these character traits that reflect the kingdom of God, character traits that when you have them, they're transformative. When you start to live out some of these things, your life will be so different that it will be um, literally miraculous in terms of what it does to your character, in terms of what it does to your relationship with God, and can really only be done through a relationship with God. So, beatitude. So, Jesus says, you know, all these things that are really kind of counterintuitive, counterculture, um, not what you would expect when you're going. So Jesus says a lot of opposites, right? He says, you guys talked to Pastor Isaac uh, last week, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn. And, and really, when you start to go through that list and you're like, wow, those are some things that you normally wouldn't be um, excited about, wouldn't normally be blessed over. And the overlooked experiences um, that we tend to, to, to write off are the things that God is saying, no, it's in these places that you find me. It's in maybe some of these conditions of your heart, conditions of your soul that you would avoid that really you experience the fullness of life that God has for you. And it's this real theme, this um, you know, the big fancy word if you're a big reader like I am, is kind of a motif uh, in, 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 in scripture and literature of Jesus showing us that the things that were rejected the things that maybe have been on the fringes, the things that people have maybe passed over and looked, he said, these are the things that God loves. And these are the things that God goes out and he specifically picks up and he chooses. And he says, hey, this, this is not special. This is not powerful. This is not favored. And yet I'm picking it up and I'm making it my own and I'm calling it favored. I'm calling it special. And this is kind of the story of what God is showing over and over again. So Jesus is showing this principle in his teaching in the Sermon of the Mount. Now, I read these things, and I want the good stuff. I, I love hearing about, oh, yeah, you'll be sons and, and daughters of God, and you'll inherit the kingdom, and, and you'll see God, and, and, and all, the, all the good parts of the Beatitudes, all the things that show up and are like the blessing side of what it, it looks like to follow God. But then the list starts getting a little hard, <laughs> and, and this, is, this is where I get to pick up today. And in this, this sermon... Jesus says some really hard things, and he says it intentionally. There's some places, as you go further, you probably get to over the next few weeks. Jesus says, hey, you're supposed to be perfect. Jesus said this. You're supposed to be perfect. And then he goes on to say stuff like, hey, if your hand makes you sin, cut it off. If your eye makes you sin, rip it out. Like he uses some really graphic, really hard language. And, and you're like, Jesus, like if you're on the mountain, a lot of the people listening, they're like, hey, this is getting a little weird. This is getting a little radical. I understand if you're a good teacher and all these different things, but you're asking us to do some things that one, seem impossible, two, seem um, so difficult that nobody could ever actually authentically live this out. And yet Jesus is asking us to do this. So tonight, I want to talk about one of the, the areas of this. So my message today is focusing on being different, being different. All of you are different. Some of you are different. Some of you, that's me. But being different, and what does that look like, and how do, you, how, do you, how do you go from the gap between being different, and it's a good thing when you feel like different, and you feel like the bad type of different, and, and where do you find your identity in between some of those things? I spent most of my life on this side feeling different, like, 
Like, I, I, Pastor Isaac, that was so sweet of you to say all those things, but, like, if you guys knew how nerdy I was, like, literally right before until I met Christina and, like, tricked her into marrying me, like, you guys would be like, oh, my goodness, who is this kid? So, so how, do, how, do I, how do I grow from this different to this different that's, like, world-changing, that's influential, that's a leader? Um, well, Jesus shows us how to do that, and it's through the radical relationship with Jesus. And so this brings me to what I call authentic Christianity. Say, authentic Christianity. See, that, that makes you sound sophisticated. You sound smart. Um, what, that's a fancy way of saying you, you guys have all had the off-brand stuff. Like, you go to, you go to like, like, the cereal aisles, and then there's, like, Fruit Loops, and then there's, like, Fruitios, and then there's, like, the really cheap stuff that's just, like, a purple box that says cereal. Like, that's, that's, so that, that, that's the one I get. Um, we're ballers on a budget. I got a baby to feed. But, um, but... Sometimes we feel like that with our faith, too. Like, there is, like, Christianity that Jesus uh, teaches us with this Bible, shows us how to live out, that, that we spend as a community together. We come here on Wednesday nights, Pastor Isaac, myself, Pastor Nick, so many others, uh, Pastor Charlie, uh, devoting our lives to learning how to do this well and to teach others to do it. And then there's, there's, there's like, the, that purple cereal box Christianity, where maybe someone says they're a Christian, but the, the way they live doesn't reflect that. Or maybe you see something that says it's Christianity, but really has nothing to do with Jesus and is really just kind of good thinking. So we're going to discern some of that. So this is about authentic Christianity, and this is one of those hard uh, teachings that you cannot avoid in authentic, real Christianity. I'm going to go here, Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted Aren't you glad you came to church today? That's awesome. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um, if this was the one week you invited a friend to church and you're like, I promise it's not going to be weird, um, I am sincerely sorry. If Isaac liked me as much as he said he would, I would have had a better passage that was more uplifting. Um, but it's in the Bible, right? So if it's in the Bible, it must be true, it must be important, and it must be life-changing, and even this one passage must have good things in here for me to find out who I am, for us to find out who we are. And this is the first thing I want you to see tonight with me is this from this passage. Authentic Christianity sometimes brings tension before it brings popularity. Authentic Christianity, real Christianity, sometimes brings tension. Sometimes it gets you into a place where maybe it feels worse, it gets worse, before it brings popularity, so before it gets better. So sometimes on the road, when you're walking with Jesus, this radical relationship with him, sometimes that road leads you to a place that is harder before it leads you to a place that is easy. Does that make sense? You guys, you're tracking with me? Okay, so how do we unpack that? So Jesus, um, in, in an amazing, um, just very truthful, very direct way, he says, look, you guys are blessed. And, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I'm blessed. I love that. But he says in 10 and 11, blessed in 10 when you're persecuted and blessed in 11 when you're reviled. That's when, that's when you are hated, slandered, people saying really bad things about you. Um, literally, 
Blessed are you when you're killed or abused or you're hated. When you are those things, you are actually favored. You are actually in a good place. This is, this is hard. This is one of those things I read and I'm like, Lord, how do I follow this? How do I even apply this? What, is this, what does this mean? And just like we feel like it's weird, um, the audience that was listening, like they actually lived under persecution. Like they lived under Roman rule, which was the biggest power of that day, and they were ruthless. There were no laws protecting what you could do in warfare. And so a lot of these people in this place, Northern Galilee, have been there. Um, you could see places from this spot that had been utterly destroyed by persecution for people that believed in God at the time, the Jewish faith, and for living out their faith in a way. And so this was a crowd that knew exactly what persecution was like, had experienced it, had knew people. This was a, a painful spot for them. And Jesus says, hey, look, I want you all to recognize when it's bad, when it's bad, it's actually good. When it's bad, it's actually good. And he ties it to this dynamic because he doesn't just say when it's bad, it's good, and just leave it there. He says, why? And, and what does it say in the verse 10? In verse 10 and 11, um, when you're persecuted, not just persecuted, but for righteousness' sake, and the other side of it, when you're reviled, not just because of anything, but because of my account. So Jesus is talking about himself. So when it's bad and you're in a relationship with me, it's actually good. This is one of the mysteries of the kingdom. See, it, it's easy for me to write off when somebody does something that makes me think they don't have a brain and natural consequences follow. It's so much easier to write that off, right? To be like, oh, they got what they deserved. You know, we, we love YouTube videos of people doing crazy stuff and messing up because you're like, ah, they got what they deserved, right? So that is easy to be like, you did something wrong, you got hard consequences, and you reaped what you sow, right? But this is totally different. He says, look, you, you have something good, and out of something good, something bad happens. And this is where the value of your relationship with Jesus really is shown. Because look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go through something hard for something I don't believe in. And Jesus is saying, look, the relationship that you have with me, the relationship that you have with God, is so important that even if really bad things happen to you on account of this relationship, on account of you being good, even if super bad things happen, that is worth it. That is a radical relationship to be in. And sometimes being in a radical relationship isn't always popular. I, I don't know if you guys have been through this, but have you ever lost a really good friend? Maybe you were really close with somebody and you get in a fight, whatever, you go and you kind of grow apart and you lose that relationship. That doesn't feel very good, right? Whether it's your fault or it's not your fault. Maybe, um, maybe uh, you've been the... The, the not cool crowd, and you have experienced other people talking about you, and that hurts, right, when you know people are talking about you. Um, and, and maybe, uh, you know, you, you've been like me when you were younger, and you, you weren't part of the cool crowd, and you were bullied a little bit, and that, that doesn't feel good either. All those things hurt people. We have the ability to build each other up in this place and to do really great and wonderful things for each other, but we also have the ability to be really, really mean and really, really terrible to each other. And that is one of the things that is hard about relationships is relationships with people sometimes hurt really bad. 
And it hurts even worse when it wasn't my fault. And it may have hurt really worse for you if you went through something that wasn't necessarily your fault and people treated you bad, but it was for something good. And so Jesus is bringing us back to the kingdom and he's saying, hey, look, this is what it's like when you follow me, you start to live your life in a way that is worthy of calling yourself a Christian, and maybe your surroundings don't get better. Maybe your surroundings sometimes, based on where you're at, get worse. So I was your age when I met Jesus. I was a senior in high school living in Las Vegas, and when I, when I made that decision to say, hey, you know, I'm going to try out this Christianity thing. I'm going to see who this Jesus guy is. Um, I started making choices differently as I went to church and as I made Christian friends. And the friends that I had in Vegas that weren't making the best choices and when I was around, I wasn't making the best choices with, I stopped making some of those poor choices. I stopped going certain places. I stopped saying certain things. I stopped doing certain things. And as I started to go down that road, Instead of all of my friends being like, bro, I am so happy for you. Congratulations. You are totally being a responsible adult. You're making choices that 10 years from now, you're probably going to appreciate. No, there, there was none of that. They're like, what is wrong with you? Are you crazy? Like, you're in this whole Jesus thing. Like, are, are, are you faking it? Are you in a cult? What is going on? And so I'm not going to lie, it was weird. And so I was on the fence for a while. So there'd be times I'd start to follow Jesus and then I'd kind of have my friends over here and it would get kind of like weird. Like they're just like, hey, you need to cool it, bro. And why don't you do any of these things anymore? And so I would feel guilty and I would come back over here to this area and be like, oh, okay, I'm cool, guys. I'm cool. I'll hang out with you or do whatever. And then I would feel guilty over here because this wasn't honoring Jesus. And then I'd come back to church and be like, you know, Lord, I'm sorry and I want to follow you. And so I went back and forth like many of us do, um, over and over again, and, and it was exhausting. But I started to recognize when I made decisions over here following Jesus, it was like, wow, you know, I feel good. <laughs> that brokenness in me doesn't feel as broken. That hole, that pain doesn't feel as painful. There's, there's something here that is worth me letting this relationship be radical, and so I started making more choices over here. And I, as I did, I started to lose some of the relationships over here until, I'm not going to lie, there was a time where I lost all of those relationships, all of my friends that like, when you're like 15, 16, 17, like the people you went to middle school with, like, like that's like your whole life. You're like, we've been friends forever. And the decisions were worth it, but the decisions were still painful. It was still hard. And... Um, I remember by the time I got to my, my first and second year of college uh, at UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, secular school, party school, and I wasn't doing those things, and I was starting to pursue Jesus and starting to pursue a calling into ministry and, and, and seeing what that would be like, that had no friends. I'd go home after working crazy job and, and, and then trying to do school and trying to do all these different things, and I would just go walk at night <laughs> by myself, just walk around neighborhoods. And, and just having what I just call God walks, these things of like, Jesus, I've got nowhere else to go, so I'm just going to walk with you, and I'm going to talk about what's going on in my life. I'm going to throw on some worship music, and I just do that every night, man, probably for about a year. And um, it was in those quiet seasons, though. It was hard. It was painful, and there was a lot of times where I kind of griped about it, but it was also a sweet place where the Lord showed me that that decision to really get close to him, to make that relationship radical was worth it. It was sweet. There were things in that season, that quiet place, promises put in my heart. Today that I'm living out with my wife and baby, 
today that I'm living out when I was a pastor here at Evangel Temple, um, gifts that were starting to stir in my spirit that today I'm finishing my PhD because I'm, I'm trying to stoke those things into flame as, 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 as hot as they will get. And it was from that quiet place, a place that seemed like it was really bad, the Lord was showing me, hey, when it's really bad, I promise you it's actually really good. And, and even though you're in a place that you don't like, it's actually a place you're really gonna wanna be and be grateful for 10 years from now. See, the persecution, when Jesus says, yours is the kingdom of heaven because of this and, and, and it's a good place, it's because in persecution at some point, they have to ask you, why are you different? Why are you different? Why, what makes you different? Because you stop being different and then they're like, no, this is a good different. What, what makes you tick? Why are you willing to go through all this? Why do you make the choices and live the way that you do? That's the blessing. When, G, when he says, look, because the prophets went through this, it's so easy for us as Christians because Jesus is talking to church people here. He's talking to people that were growing up in, in religion and these different things. It's so easy for us to be like, anytime we have any, anything go wrong, oh, well, that's, that's persecution. And you write off people. And then maybe you get hurt really bad. And not only do you write off people, but you put up a wall against people. And we get this, this mentality as Christians, like, oh, I just suffer. I suffer, and I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to suffer. And, and then I have no relationships, and so I just write them off, and I'm going to put the, 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 the dust off my feet, and that's just the way people are. And yet Jesus is saying, for my sake, when Jesus was persecuted, he loved people enough to still go to the cross when he was persecuted and to die for people that hated him. The prophets, they all died and they were rejected, but they were rejected in the act of trying to bring people closer to God. So you may be in persecution, but that doesn't mean you write off people. The, the people in my friendship groups, we just had a, a, a lunch in Vegas with one of them, one of my best friends, that we didn't talk for probably a year and a half, two years, totally would not even look at me because of what I was doing with Jesus. I got to lead him to the Lord. <laughs> I got to, to say, hey, I, I'm different because of Jesus. He goes to church, he does all the things that I did there beforehand. He's pursuing ministry credentials, he has a baby. Um, he was here with me in Springfield when I got married. Like that for me is fruit. So look, the, the persecution, the reward at the end isn't to write off people and to say, I told you so. It's to say, I'll tell you how. We all want to say, I told you so. I'm going to live my life for Jesus in high school and in college. And well, you know, hopefully Jesus don't come back. Because when I'm up in the air on the way up, I'm going to be like, I told you so. I told you so. No, 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 no. Jesus says, hey, hey I'm going to get close to you. I'm, and I'm going to be near you. And instead of saying, I told you so, I'm going to tell you how. So. Beatitudes are radical character traits. Jesus shows us when you have those character traits, you are different. In that difference, there is tension. You're, here's the traits. You live them out. There's tension. And then these last three verses, I'm going to close it out. This is what you do with that tension. He says this. I'm just going to continue on verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. This is, this is really, really good stuff. So the second thing I want you to leave with today is this. Our identity is in being different. 
Our effectiveness is in being obedient. Our identity is in being different. So Jesus goes on to talk about um, what it looks like to be different. He says, look, in that tension, in that, uh, in that persecution, um, your identity actually is in being different. That's what I want you to do. And your effectiveness, how you influence that area, is simply by following what I tell you to do. So um, he gives you three images. He says, I want you to be salt, I want you to be light, and, and gives this image of a city on a hill. Now, salt, I don't know if you know this, but salt is very salty if you ever eat it. It has one job. It has one purpose. And, it, it, you know, if I go to Chick-fil-A and I go to put salt on their amazing fries, not that they need it, and if there's no salt to that salt, it's useless, right? Like, why am I doing this? It's just, at that point, not even sugar. So... That's pretty much what Jesus is saying here. Now, ancient world, salt was very important, and you know, some of you scholars are going to be like, well, actually, salt was used for this back then. Yes, it was important for life. They preserved things with it. They paid people in salt, all kinds of things. It was important. And Jesus says, look, if salt doesn't do what it's supposed to do, the purpose that it's made for, the only thing it's useful for is being thrown out. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird, Jesus. Why are you going to talk like that? Like, I thought we were having a good message here, and you're like making me feel guilty. So he says, I'm going to make it clear. He says, look, you are light. Okay, light is easier for me to understand, right? Because of like Star Wars and all kinds of things like that. So like light, okay, that's a good thing. And he says, look, light, don't hide it. You don't get a lamp. They had these little clay lamps back then. He says, you don't get a lamp, you know, and, and you put it under a basket or something heavy. And if you do that, you're not going to be able to see where you're going. Like that, the whole purpose of a light is to be light. And Jesus makes it very clear. If you make it go away, it's useless. Same thing with the city on a hill. City on a hill back then was very strong. Oftentimes, like Jerusalem is a city on a hill, had big walls, easily visible. That was the whole point of it being a city. See, what I see here is Jesus saying, look, yeah, you're different. I'm making you different. Now, your job is to simply live in that difference, is simply to live that out, to be different. Um, and your purpose is all those things bringing change to your surroundings. So those things have very direct, very measurable, doesn't take a lot of salt to be salty, doesn't take a lot of light in this room to cast out darkness. Um, it doesn't take a lot for these things to be effective. He didn't say, hey, okay, I want you to be a wet noodle, I want you to be a plastic spoon, I want you to be a baby. Like, those are three things that, like, they can't do nothing on their own, right? Like, no, he says three things that are, like, really important and that, like, are good at what they do. They have a purpose, When you be what God created you to be, it works. And when you don't be what God created you to be, it don't work. That's, that's, that's the easy version of this passage. Um, and so he closes it out. He says, look, so I want you to do this. I want you to press into being light and salt and to being different in the midst of uh, even persecution. And um, I want you, in verse 16, I want, your let, I want you to let your good works shine before others so your good works can give glory to the Father who is in heaven, so that people may see your good works. So this is also confusing, because everywhere else, Jesus is like, don't let anybody see your good works. Um, and over and over again, he like, he like challenges religious people about that we're doing good things in order to be seen. And Jesus in this place almost sounds like he's contradicting himself, because he's like, hey, look, here, here, let your good works be seen by other people. But what he's doing, he's saying, look, in the context of what he's doing here, he says, look, as you live out your identity, as you have authentic Christianity, as you have radical relationship with God, and you simply live that out, let people see it. 
And it's not about, oh, I'm being religious and I'm doing the Christian thing here. No, it's just me being me in the power of Jesus and the person that he created me to be. And just in doing that is effective and people see it and it brings glory to God because they're like, this person used to be like this and now they're like this and the only difference is Jesus. That's what it means to be salt and light. And what really makes me like, cringe is that Jesus is talking to church people. <laughs> He's not talking to people that like didn't know about the Bible and, and, and didn't know about God. He's talking to thousands of people in Northern Galilee that were all very much acquainted with what we would call church life. Because <laughs> I, I read this and I'm like, yeah, I, those people need to learn how to be salt. Those people need to learn how to be light. I got this down. I've been doing it a while. I mean, I'm a credentialed minister. I am an ordained pastor. I'm a man of the cloth, whatever that means. And, um, and yet, I'm like, no, Jesus was talking. Jesus wasn't talking to them. Jesus is talking to me over here. They needed to be reminded of what God was calling them to be, what God had made them to be. I need to be reminded of what God has called me to be, what God made me to be. I want to remind you today what God has called you to be, what God has made you to be. Um, your identity as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, is in being different. <laughs> and that's exciting. And what's really hard when we're young is that we don't want to be different. We want to be just the same. Because when we're different, people notice us. And when we're different, it's, it's a little bit hard and it can be a little bit lonely. But Jesus is saying, no, look, I, I made you different. And when you are obedient to that, your effectiveness comes to be influential in the places that you are. Some of you are so stinking talented and so amazingly funny and cool, and some of you are good at sports, some of you are really smart, some of you are all of the above, and, and there's so many things. So part of God's identity with you isn't just being a Christian. Like, that's part of it. We reflect God and the gospel everywhere we go, but Jesus made you. Make no doubt about it. You're not, you're not a random uh, 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 sequence of DNA. Jesus gave you certain character traits. Jesus knew what uh, uh, year you would be born in, and Jesus knew what family that you would be brought up in, in the relationships that you have. And there are certain places that you are very effective. And if you are effective in Jesus in those places, that is, that is worthy of the glory of God. That is something that is influential and amazing and will reach places that I will never be able to reach. There are places I reach just being myself, being comfortable in my own skin for Jesus in Jesus that allow me to be effective beyond what I could on my own. That is the cool part. So I struggle with this. I still struggle with this. You probably struggle with this. So Met Jesus at 17, six months later, I was, I was kind of radical, so I sold everything I owned and I moved to the Middle East. I was like, I'm either gonna, I'm gonna jump in and I'm gonna figure out who this Jesus person is, so I moved to Israel and I moved to Jerusalem. Sold my car, didn't know anybody there, it was nuts. If any of you did that, I'd be like, hey, hold up, let's, 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 let's slow this process a little bit, because that's a little crazy. Um, but by the grace of God, everything worked out while I was there, it was a cool experience, but while I was there, I, I didn't have any community, didn't know the Bible, had no discipleship, and so it didn't take me very long to get in a really dark spot. <laughs> and I remember really specifically this one night, I was leaving a service, and there was lots of different Christian voices there telling me lots of different things, and I was so confused. 
And what I was seeing at what was called Christianity, I wasn't actually um, thinking was real Christianity. It was, it was things that maybe were saying it was Christianity, but it really wasn't much more than um, hype, if I could be real with you. And so there was a night, I left a service, it was actually in a place called Mount Zion, it's in the Bible, and uh, I go from Mount Zion and, and I'm, I walk over to this little park and there's a bench, and, and so I go and I sit on this bench, and um, I'm gonna get this chair. I go and I sit on this bench, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking down, so on this bench is a valley, and this valley is called the Ben Hinnon Valley, and it's also in the Bible, very famous and it's actually called Gehenna sometimes, and it's actually, they used to burn trash there, and they actually used to sacrifice children there in the Old Testament, really, really bad place. Now it's a park. I was playing Frisbee there, had no idea. And so I'm sitting there in the bench, and I'm looking down into hell, literally, the place Jesus said was hell, contemplating what my future would be like. Is this real? Who am I? Is this worth it? What am I gonna do with my life? And that's such a picture, I feel like, of what we go through sometimes as young people, being someone sitting in a bench looking into hell with your entire eternity before you, wondering, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do with this whole Jesus thing? What am I going to do with um, what I, 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 I see and hear as Christianity? Is any of this real? And I so wish that I could just go sit next to myself and put my hand on my shoulder and say, I promise you. It, it, it's worse right now, and it's going to get a little bit worse over the next year, but I promise you, even when it's bad, it's good. And even when it's hard, it is worth it. And even when you feel different, that is the Lord bringing out things inside of you that he wants to be there and to do things inside of you so that you can shine and that you can be salty um, in places that nobody else can. So... Tonight, as I close, as we're getting ready for worship, if the worship band wants to come up, um, some of you might be in a tough spot, and that's worth it. You may not feel like it's worth it, and you might feel like, hey, it's just getting worse, it's not going to get better. Today is God's message to you, a point of contact in the community. That's what these messages are. That's why we go to church. It's one point of contact. One message isn't going to change your life. Unless you don't know Jesus, one message will. But this is one point of contact in what God is doing in your life right now. If you showed up today, he's like, hey, I'm here. I, wa I want to walk with you through this. So you may be in a tough spot. This is God saying, yeah, it's worth it. And it's, it, it might be hard, but I promise you, um, you might be going through hard things for the kingdom, but it is good. And some of you might be more resonating with, I'm, I'm hiding my light right now. I've been doing the church thing for a while, and I know Jesus, but I've got that light, and I've got a basket over it because it's just too hard. It's too hard to, to share that. It's too hard to be that in this culture right now. And maybe some of you tonight came to see the light, and his name is Jesus. So as we get ready to go and worship, and um, I know I said the worship bands, you're welcome to come up. Oh, we do worship music, huh? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so if you guys want to stand up, I was like, nobody's coming up. I was like, this is terrible. They, did they quit? Are you? Yeah, so I'm like, man, that must have been... Some persecution comes and people scatter, so I guess it just, so, so as, we're, as we're doing, we're going to stand up, I'm going to pray. After I pray, find a place to go, but I want to pray for those three people right now. Jesus, thank you for you, 
calling us out of darkness and making us light, Lord, to bring light to those places. And I just pray right now, Lord, that you watch over us. I pray, Lord, that you guide us. I pray that you encourage hearts tonight, anybody that is in a tough spot. I pray, Jesus, that you remind them, encourage them, show them in a way that's meaningful to them, that you're still watching over them, and that it's still worth it, Lord. I pray that you give them a glimpse of why this season is important. Lord, for those that are, are, are maybe a little discouraged and they're hiding their light, Lord, I pray that you give just a, a, a fire inside of them, Lord, to be able to represent you in a new way this week, Lord, to want to, um, um, Lord, walk with you in a way that is visible to others and authentic, Jesus, to be bold. And Father, if anybody came here to see the light tonight, Lord, I pray that they see that you are the light, Jesus, and that you are here to say, I love you, and that I created you, and I want a relationship with you, and your arms are wide open, Father. So we lift up all of these needs to you, Lord. We close out this night, Lord, and we lift up just this time of worship, and as we are eyes closed, head bowed, as we're getting ready to worship, if you need prayer for anything, feel free to um, ask Pastor Isaac or any of the leaders, Pastor Nick, I'll, I'm, I'll be around, Christina will be around, anybody, um, and especially if you want to meet Jesus tonight, find Pastor Isaac or myself, we'd love to introduce you um, in prayer through that. But Father, we lift up this to you, we lift up our praise to you, Lord, and we just pray that the rest of the night, Lord, um, allows us to unpack some of this radical relationship with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at ecchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.